bless you today. It's great to see each one here. And it's great that there's a half of us that are on the way here this morning. They haven't arrived yet. Everybody had a good Easter? Been awesome, hasn't it? We're just glad that God has saw fit to make a way for each one of us. If you're a visitor this morning, we want to welcome you to Elm Grove. Along with our youth pastor, we want to say it's great to have you. If you live in this community and you don't have a church home, then let me make an announcement. This church really needs you. And we all, all have a lot of fun. We enjoy worshiping the Lord. And it's not about religion. It's about relationships. And we feel like one of the greatest families that lives on planet Earth attends this church. Not that this is the only church. There's a lot of good churches. But we have one of the greatest families in all the world. And I'm glad today for, for you, for the Lord, and for what he's done through each one of us. Everyone happy this morning? Half of you are. We believe in equal opportunity. Everybody's not happy this morning. Would you just let her rip? Wow. Okay. I'm at the right place. We enjoyed the awesome uh, Thanksgiving or <laughs> Easter service. It was with Thanksgiving that we enjoyed Easter. And it was very unusual. Uh, and we're going to follow up this morning uh, with something with a message that I believe that you sent to the leadership of this church. Following the message, we had each one to pass by the casket. We had made sure that everybody had a, a paper with a place to fill in uh, on the back of it, the things that you were dealing with. And uh, it was astounding as we picked those up and we uh, began to read the things that uh, many of you are dealing with, and some, all of us are dealing with something. But the biggest issue that, uh, that was noticed as we looked through uh, those bricks that were placed by the congregation as well as uh, even visitors came by was the fact that uh, the biggest percentage of the people here last Sunday said a big factor in their life was fear. And we began, I began to think about, Lord, in 2 Timothy 1.7, uh, the Word says, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I don't mind telling you, there's been times when uh, I have uh, dealt with fear. And uh, there's, there's days, I think, when we all just are real honest with ourselves. Fear tries to knock at our heart's door. Maybe, uh, you know, fear of what man's going to say. Maybe fear of what the future may hold. And, uh, and then sometimes if we are not careful, the first cousin of fear is worry, and it moves in, and it begins to take our time and our direction in places that uh, many times we feel like, or we know later, that it was uh, a worthless investment that we'd made. But I, I, I'm quick to tell people that worry is interest that you pay on a note that you don't owe. And so I want to encourage you, quit worrying, okay? Number one, Jesus loves you. And number two, I love you. And if your spouse doesn't love you, just give their name to me, and I will never tell them where it came from, and I'll talk to them. I'll tell Jesus what you said, and he has a great way of taking care of situations. But as we begin to deal with uh, 
the, the message that we sent. I believe this is what church is all about. I don't, you know, you can, you can preach great messages. You can hear the comp, comments as people leave an awesome message. And yet we continue on the journey many times that we are trying to exit off of. It's like traveling a, a thoroughfare. We like traveling freeways today because we can drive just as hard as we want to go. We're not distracted by traffic lights on freeways. We're not distracted uh, by, by going through small towns and watching for the small city cops that don't like the way we drive through their city. And we, we get distracted by a lot of things. But, boy, when we hit the freeway, it's awesome just to set that cruise on about at nine mile an hour faster than we can legally drive and we just sit back and enjoy what's going on because we like to travel without distractions inside of us if that speed limit if that speed limit is 70 and i've set my cruise speed on 78 the first thing that i notice is i you don't have to tell me i know i'm breaking the law so I, my eyes sweep back and forth across the median and uh, the side place of the overpasses to make sure that there's not going to be somebody that disagrees with the way my behavior is expressing itself. And through the journey of life, there are times when uh, our expressions of the way we live are hid. We hide, try to hide the expressions that we're dealing with with the clothing that we wear sometimes uh, by the smile that we force. And sometimes we, we put on a facade that, we, and we just don't want anybody to penetrate what we're expressing because maybe it's not really who we are. We're just trying to be somebody that we think that other people expect us to be. But most of us, if we're honest, we've experienced a time in our life when we just weren't quite sure of the way that things were, ter- were going to turn out. But I, I begin to think about, life and what it consists of and most of us have experienced our children's dependence on us to face their fears and when they have nightmares and when it's thundering and lightning during the storm they'll wake up and they'll scream and they'll jump out of their bed and they'll come into your bed and they'll jump in into your bed with you because they need somebody to be with them during the storm And our hugs and our assurance doesn't stop the rain. It doesn't control the thunder and the lightning that roars. But it changes how they face it. They'll fall asleep in your arms because they realize your arms are bigger than the strong, bigger than the storm. And you're going to, in all your might, you're going to make sure that that they have a safety as you lock your arms around them. They face their fears just like you and I as older children face our fears But can I tell you this morning, our Heavenly Father always stands like this, and He's always willing to wrap His arms around us in our most fearful moments, and He'll whisper in your ear, I'm here to work out everything for your good. You can have confidence, and the Bible says this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us and we have the petitions we desire, the amazing words, the fear and and and. It's just amazing as, as we analyze fear and, and the torment, the Bible says, that fear brings into our lives. And, uh, and as I was studying and preparing for today, I found out that the, the word fear and afraid are found over 700 times in the Bible. That's a pretty awesome amount as we stop and think about it. And this should cause us to realize the importance that fear may play in all of our lives. Over 80 times we had the words in the Bible, do not fear or fear not. 
And the reason that the Lord wants us to realize this is because he, he knows that fear brings torment. And you can't be filled with joy that's unspeakable and full of glory when you're being tormented. Have you ever noticed it's hard to have a good time when you're in torment? Have you ever went somebody a place and somebody just really got on your nerves? And you can hardly wait to saturate that place with your absence. What was happening, the enemy was tormenting you with something that he was using against you having a good time. Have you ever went to church and the sermon was so dry that you could hardly wait for that clock to strike 12 so he would finish up with his thoughts so you could saturate that place with your absence? Have you ever sat in an audience and the preacher said some things that got so close to our toes that we wondered, has my spouse been telling him what I'm doing or how I'm acting? And fear grips our heart. And then we begin to entertain the thought, what if somebody has told on me? I'm going to say this today. Last Sunday, as this congregation walked by this casket, and drop their brick in that, in that casket. It let me know that we're all human, that we're all in the same boat, traveling the same direction, and our eternal destination is heaven. But God has sent me your way to encourage you and to ask you, keep your focus on not your circumstances, but upon Jesus. Not only is he the author and the finisher of your faith, but he's always there with open arms to tell you how precious you are and how much he loves you. And he endorsed that check by, and that while I was yet unlovable, he died on the cross for my sins. And that explains the love that the Lord has for us. And so as we pursue the journey of life today, I want to encourage you this morning, if you were one that laid that brick in this casket, I have some good words for you this morning. Jesus says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. And simply what he's telling us is this. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go through it with you. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to show you the way through, and I'm going to help you direct your life through the storms of life so that you can say the same words as you journey through the pages of your life, the same words that the psalmist David penned very carefully in Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe it's the death of a dream. Maybe it's a death of a vision or a goal. Or maybe it's the death of a job that you really enjoyed. Or maybe a friend that walked out of your life and your heart is broken and your dreams are shattered this morning. David went through a lot of things and most of the things he brought on himself and we can all say we've brought brought heartache and sorrow on ourselves many times but these words are being carefully for people like you and me though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil how could he say that because he continues to compliment the reason that he doesn't have to fear because he said your rod and your staff you comfort me and there's here's what he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Not only do you do that, you anoint my head with oil, and then you fill my cup till it's running over. 
Surely goodness and mercy, here's what he says, and I want to say it to you. Surely goodness and mercy is going to chase you all the days of your life. So many times we think we're chasing after Jesus, but that's not the true picture today. Jesus is chasing after you. You know why? Because he loves us. He cares for us. He's, he said the thief in the chapter, book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes but for to kill and to steal and destroy. How many knows the thief is not your next-door neighbor? The thief is the devil. As sure as we have a Savior, there's a real devil. He, he lost his position in heaven. He was called Lucifer, and he fell to earth because he was discontented with the plan that God had for his life. The thief does come to steal. He wants to steal your joy. Why, would, why in the world would the enemy want to steal your joy? Because in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah uh, pins these words, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you know what? When we quit laughing, we start dying. How about this? A merry heart does good like a medicine. Did you know that was in the book of Proverbs? I don't know about you, but I love to. Our, our family physician isn't here. If you tell on me, I'll, I'll ask him to jack your bill up. But, but I'm going to tell you. A merry heart does good like a medicine. What it does, it cheats the doctor out of me having to go to him more often than I do. I need that, man. I want to make sure he's, I'm on his side. I want to make sure that if I do hook my toe, that he's my friend. But listen, we have an advocate with a greater friend. His name is Jesus. And he said, I've come for your purpose. I've came on purpose to give you life and have it more abundantly. And fear, doubt, and unbelief is a waste of time. There are two types of fear. One is known as a constructive fear. The Bible says, fear God, keep his commandments. You say, well, how could I fear God and keep his commandments? If, after all, if God gave his son to, on the cross for my sins, how could I fear God? Well, in the Greek, when you, if you do your, your homework, you look up the terminology of the way that this word is used in the Old Testament, that means uh, a perfect, perfect respect. A perfect relationship with Jesus cast out all fear. And our relationship with Jesus is what it's all about. And, you know, it's not about acting religious. It's not about trying to do all the right things when we come to church. It's about what's on the inside of our heart today. And the Bible says Jesus came, and here's what he came to do. He came to give us a brand-new heart. And I don't know about you, but I had a very hard heart as a Christian. As a preacher's kid growing up my heart was hardened i i watched i'd go to church and i'd sit in the back of church with a critical spirit unless marilyn was watching our rachel she's here she was our precious song leader we called them not praise and worship leaders they were song leaders then we just changed the title we still sing praises unto the lord there are two people in this congregation they knew me when i had a, a hard heart they knew me when I had a critical spirit. When, but when Jesus walked in my life, and, you know, I, I went to church with this kind of a fear. I'm going to do everything I can to have a good time at other people's expense. But my fear is if my dad catches me, I'm in big trouble. And here's how dad punished the four white boys. We had the privilege of sitting anywhere we wanted to sit as the a, as a service started. But as the service progressed, pro progressed I, I i don't know how he preached to the congregation when he had his eyes on four of his sons 
But more than one time in the back of the building, in the back of the annex where all teenagers like to sit in this country church, he stopped the sermon and he said, Orville, please come to the front and sit by your mother. Let me tell you, perfect love didn't cast out my fear. I knew there was a strap waiting on me when I got to heaven. Jesus wasn't the only one that carried stripes, my friend. I carried a few as a teenager, too. But, you know, as we look at this, this title this morning, two types of fear. Fear God and keep his commandments. God doesn't want you to walk around scared of him. He wants you to walk around in full reverence. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's a great I am. And he said, if you'll just love me with your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, the other fear will have no place to grow in your life. The other fear is known as a destructive fear. It want, that fear wants to bring torment. It wants to cause us to not believe that God's Word is true. It wants us to believe that everybody's against us and everything that was said, you know, just as a slam. And, and you know, he, he just wants to make sure that, that the, the enemy just wants to make sure that he turns our world upside down. People can become physically ill through fear. The fear that you will fail the fear that you can't live up to God's standards or people's standards, and the fear that keeps you from obeying God's Word. Listen to me. I want to deal with the last one this morning. Quit worrying about you failing to live up to God's standards. We're work in progress, and if you've given your heart to the Lord, you've asked Him to forgive your sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been forgiven. He's brought you into the greatest family, and He's going to love on you until your relationship becomes healthy, whole, refreshed, renewed, and you're filled with power, praise, and glory, and fear will never control you or take you in the wrong direction and this morning the way that we deal with fear is through this great toolbox called God's word every every problem every encounter that we will ever face is answered in God's word and as we take this time this morning to be encouraged with what God's Word has to say, we're not ignoring the fact that fear knocks on our heart's door. But I, I have this saying, and, and our, 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 our UPS delivery man is not here this morning. He's recovering from a surgery. But, you know, uh, I tell people every day that if UPS or, or FedEx knocks at your door or rings the doorbell and they say, we have the package for you, just sign right here, you know what? If you didn't order it, you don't have to sign for it. Just send it back to the sender. And, you know, the enemy every day comes to your doorstep, and he said, I brought you this little package. Would you just sign right here? After all, don't forget how they treated you yesterday at church. Nobody noticed you. Did you even notice that Bill Morgan never even spoke to you? The preacher's been telling him some things about you. Did you notice that nobody shook your hand? Why don't you just sign right here? Nobody cares. This package is for you. Listen to me. The devil is a liar. He's a thief, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your desire to be a part of God's family. Don't sign for the spirit of fear. Don't sign for the spirit of doubt, fear, and unbelief. God is for you, and it's a gift, and there's no charges for it. It's all ours for just accepting his plan. It's free. He said freely give, freely receive. When we freely give our life to Jesus, old things are passed away, including the spirit of fear. 
And faith is sown in our heart. Faith to believe that God is who he is. He, God has done what he said he'd do. And he'll continue to do what he said he'll do. And in the midst of fear, when tor- fear and torment has its way, I can tell you something. There's somebody knocking your, at your heart's door, and here's what he wants to do. In the midst of your storm, he wants to put his arms around you and love you. And, and one songwriter says, Lord, just keep me safe till the storm passes by. And we all have storms. We all deal with storms. David, the psalmist David, in one of his stormiest times in life, pens these words in Psalms 34 and 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. I want you to tell me how many he was delivered from. Oh, come on. How many was he delivered from? Okay, great. And notice the fifth verse. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear the Lord. A reverence, a reverence. When you sense God's presence, there's a holy reverence. You make a connection with his connection because the Spirit of God flows through you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the holy reverence fills your life. And the enemy has no business trying to contaminate it. And every time you get, you're in a place physically or spiritually where it's very uncomfortable, remember the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that know how to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not in control of your life, if you're here this morning you've just kind of turned a deaf ear on Christianity, listen to me. I encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who will trust in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any Everybody say Annie. A-N-Y. Say it again. The man who loves the Lord, those who seek the Lord, shall not lack any good thing. Have you ever wondered financially how things were going to work out? Have you ever entertained the thought that if things didn't work out and you didn't have a miracle, you were going down financially? After the Last oil boom, not this one, but back in the 80s, everything was going great. We had our own company plane. We were doing a lot of work in California, and one day the lights went out, and we went under. And it was, during those stormy days, I, uh, I, I had a lot of questions. It just seemed like in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the lights went out, the oil prices dropped, everybody shut down. Even Elk City printed a bumper sticker or somebody in business printed a bumper sticker that said, will the last person who leaves Elk City please turn the lights out? And it was a darkened hour for many of us that were in business. Just weeks before that, it just seemed like sky was the limit. Everybody wanted to loan money. Everybody just was your best friend. And then in a twinkling of an eye, things changed. I'll never forget, Carolyn was our secretary. We had overpaid our withholdings in, in a couple of times, and, uh, and then they were dunning us for the amount for 
for the, in the moment that we were due. And we were waiting, we were waiting, and they, they weren't small checks for me anyhow. One of them was, I don't know, close to $20,000, and another one was maybe a little smaller, a little, le- a little larger, I'm not sure. But th- we needed that payment, and, and we got this letter. If you don't catch these up in the next so many days, we'll pay you a visit and close your door. 48 hours before our time was out. I was. I had, our office was just a few steps away from the home where we lived, and I was at the house just staring out into space, thinking, "Well, they can't eat me. They can only turn the lights out, and I've been in the dark before." And I just happened to look out the window, and I saw Carolyn and C. A heading toward our house in a run. They didn't ring the doorbell. They opened the door, and they came in. Both checks were in their hands just about 48 hours before the threat would have been confirmed. You know, I've often thought about this. I know it won't come to uh, pass, but I've entertained this thought. Lord, When I get to heaven, I have a question I'm going to ask you. Craig and I are the only one entertaining that thought. (laughs) Why did you wait till 1159 before I found out you had heard my prayer days before? Now, I'm sure that that's only a nightmare. But I have had those thoughts. But I realize if 2 Timothy 1.7 is right, and we all know it is, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind, then I realize that 1 John chapter 4, with these two verses, also will help us in the direction that we're traveling today. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to stop there just for a moment. I want you to think about this, that we may, in the day of our our trying times, in the moment when we see it seems like our life is in the judgment seat, in the moment when people have question marks over our, our head, over our businesses, over our children, over our finances, in the day that people may be judging us whether it's right or wrong. Jesus wants us to re- remember one thing. As he is, so are we. Now, a lot of people are waiting till they get to heaven to sing and shout and dance about. But I just have this awesome feeling that we need to learn to sing and shout here. So when we get there, we'll know how to sing and shout and dance about. I don't want to have any practice times when I get to heaven. I'm going to do a little practicing here. And then when I get there, people will say, I wonder when he learned to do that. Not really. Let's look in the toolbox at some other scriptures this morning. 
Paul says in Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to give Paul the, the credit for writing Hebrews, even though there's a question mark over it. He wrote 13 of the 27 ch- uh, books in the, in the New Testament. There's highly, it's highly possible that he is the author also of the book of Hebrews, which would make him 14 books he's responsible for. But he pins this cl- very, very personally in the fourth chapter in the 14th verse. He said, seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. To our confession. The Bible says, out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm just scared to death? Well, well, let me back you up. I I went over. Have you ever said, we've all said it. But you know, every time I look at the word, I'm saying, I'm doing a confession that I shouldn't be doing. Because fear has torment, and I'm just opening the door to the enemy to show him where I live by my confession. And I said, Jesus, let me make the right confession. Let me confuse the devil. I don't want to use words that are contrary to the word. I want my confession to be in line with what's in here. He goes on in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And then here's the part that I like, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And when fear is knocking at your heart's door, the one one and only thing that you need, you need help, you need strength, you need the boldness to look fear in the face and say, you're at the wrong place, buddy, bug off. The enemy doesn't like for you to know how to talk. When fear is knocking at your heart's door. The enemy hates it when when Christian people rise to the position, I will have no part in the spirit of fear. It it has torment. It comes from the devil. I'm going to confess that he's going to work things out for my good. That settles it. It's a done deal. I'll see you later. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so you may boldly say, The Lord is my helper I will not fear. Can I say this? If you're here this morning and you're receiving this message and you're dealing with a lot of fear, it doesn't make you a bad boy or a bad girl. It's just saying that God wants to step into your life and help you, and he's sending me to tell you that he wants to help you. He wants to strengthen all of us so we can have boldness in the day of our trying times, so we can have boldness to face our adversary in the face and say, the Lord has given me strength. He's my helper, and I will not fear what you have to offer. And here's what it says. I will not fear what man can do. In moments when worry and fear is trying to wrap its life-draining tentacles around me, I I rush back to the Word of God. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is a great platform for this country preacher. And if it'll do me a lot of good, it might help you a little. You probably don't need the help that I've needed in the journey of life. But just in case you do, here's what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, the peace of God. 
the peace of God, which goes far beyond my understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need a guard when fear is trying to take us under. We need, we need to know. We need to boldness to look at, at our challenges and say, Lord, you're for me. You said you'd be with me. You can give me boldness to face this day no matter what may come. Just as I followed these steps, I found through the years in ministry, I can still carefully follow them when I start to get anxious. Every time I do, and anxiety comes upon every pastor at times. Anxiety comes when it seems like the enemy's doing everything he can to pry open a door and come in some other way than the front door of the, of the house of God. And every time I feel the spirit of anxiety trying to take me the wrong way, trying to take me into the dark room of fear, doubt, and unbelief. In fact, I've learned that I faintly faithfully follow the steps that God has given me. I can always eradicate fear, and I can replace it with a wonderful, dominating peace of God that goes far beyond my understanding. So don't let worry wrap its tentacles around you this morning. Listen to Paul's advice about how to deal with the problems and the concerns that try to take hold of your mind. Have you ever thought about this? Fear is a mindset. Did you know you've got to entertain fear before it can ever affect your spirit? That's the reason Paul says in the 12th chapter of of Hebrews chapter 1, number 2, The words of number one doesn't come to me, but verse number two says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind. How are you going to transform your mind? With the Word of God. I'll never forget the first electric train that the four white boys shared. We walked by White's Auto one evening in Lawton, Oklahoma, and they had this electric train going around this track. And the only train that we'd ever had was one that had a key. And you would wind up the locomotive, and you'd put it on the track, and you'd turn the, turn the switch on. It would go around and around that track, but eventually it would start slowing down. And it would stop, and you'd have to rewind it. We looked up at this train that day. Nobody was winding the key. There wasn't even a key there. It was just going around and around and around. And as I was watching that, I'll never forget Ronnie, my brother, just two years older than me. David, who comes and helps us at times, four years younger than me. I said, go get Daddy. There's something about this train that's it's awesome. He's got to see there's nobody winding this train. It's still running. And really what I wanted him to do is go in and find out how much it cost. Because Christmas was getting close. My dad made his way the White's Auto looked in the, in the window, and he watched the train, too. He had not even had a wind-up train. In fact, he didn't get to go to school until after the cotton was pulled in the fall. He only got one pair of shoes, and, and when the sole of those shoes were out, he would cut cardboard and put in the bottom of his shoes so the stickers wouldn't get come through until they pulled their cotton that fall and uh, he got one pair of shoes. He told the story many times when I'd get out of sight from where I'd been. I'd pull my shoes off, and I'd make it as far as I could toward home just so those shoes would last longer. I'll never forget that day. I 
wasn't thinking about where my dad had came from. I was thinking about where I wanted to go. I wanted my dream was, oh God, let that let that American flyer come to the White House. Where four boys can have heaven on earth. And I'll never forget that day I looked up in my dad's eyes without any fear at all and I said, Dad, do you think we could have that electric train for Christmas? And without a doubt, there was just something in my confidence that knew that my dad was never going to say no to that plea because there was three other heads faced his wife too. And he said, I don't know. How much money have you boys saved? And we'd carefully, for several months, we'd each one piggyback about $5 a piece. We went in to check to see how much the, the, the train would cost. It was $30. You've got to picture this, play, this train. It had a smokestack, and as it went around the train, it would put smoke in the air. It had a headlight, and when it would come around the corner, that headlight was burning. Not only was that headlight burning, it had three passenger cars, and inside the passenger cars, they lit up. I'm telling you, heaven couldn't have talked to me any louder than that American flyer did. Dad walks in. The clerk says, Can, may I help you? He says, how much is the train in the window? And the gentleman says, it's $30. And he said, boys, if you've got 20, I've got 10. <sighs> Heaven on earth. You know, uh, back then it was, a, it was a kid thing. But can I tell you, I'm still a kid at heart when I come to serving the Lord. He says, this is the confidence that you have. If you ask anything according to my will, I'll hear you. And if you know that I hear you, you'll get the desires of your heart. And I want to tell you something. My Heavenly Father doesn't have his eyes on an American flyer electric train today. He's got his eyes on you. And he wants me to tell you how much he loves you. And no matter where you're at this morning, he wants to pick you up. And he wants to hold you into his, in his arms until he heals you, until he sets you free of fear, until he dispels doubt out of your life, until you come to the place you can go home saying, I may not be there, but I'm on the road. I'm on the right road. I'm on the road that leads to eternal life, and I'm not going to let doubt, fear, and unbelief move me. I close with this verse. Paul lays out five important steps, and I don't have time to deal with them. I wish I did, but I want to look at this scripture. The five things that, that Paul says in this, this scripture that I just read to you, he says, fear well, I will deliver you from fear to faith. I'll deliver you from turmoil to peace, and I'll deliver you from defeat to victory. And the Bible says that this is the victory that overcomes the world. We all live in our own world. 
It may not be an electric train in your world, but we all have our world. To some of us that fly, it's, it's a dream of flying again. To some of us that have lived in a house that we're less fortunate than living in, there's some people in this house, I'll be glad when I could purchase a dream home that I'm dreaming of. And there's those of you that your grandkids are growing up and you're dreaming of the day those grandkids will have their faces and their, and their pictures on the front of the newspaper and they'll be allowing your last name to be told to the community one more time. But no matter what world you're living in this morning, God wants you to live in victory. And here's what he says. This is the victory that overcomes the world. I want you to think about your world that you're living in this morning. I want you to think about it very seriously. Because here's what he wants to do. He wants you to know that your faith will set you free. And you may be sitting here this morning, you say, well, I don't have that kind of faith. Oh, yes, you do. The toolbox says he's dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everyone. Everyone starts out with the same amount. And, and as we go through different ch- chapters of our life, God wants our faith to grow. And faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. And the more you hear uh, of, of the Word of God, the greater your faith dr- uh, grows. And I really am closing this time, but I... I, I, I want to leave you with this last, last illustration before we close. And Jared's coming to close the service for us today. But I was seated in a recliner that I spent a little time in at the close of each day. And there was great pain that was coming from this right knee. And I was seated there really uh, because I was in need of help. I couldn't run. I couldn't, I couldn't do some things that I needed to get done. And, and I'm just not a setter. And I, couldn't, I, w- I just wasn't doing good at all. And I ch- turned the channel, and there was a preacher on by the name of John Hagee. And, and he said, I want to talk to you people this morning that just turned your television on, and you're in a lot of trouble. I thought, how did he know that? And he said, when I bring my message to the close today, I want you to jump out of that chair. And I, he said, I want you to know that you're going to whip the devil with a, with a water pistol. And when he finished that message, I jumped out of that chair. And I thought, give me that water pistol. I'm going after the enemy. You know what he did? There was some pain following today. But you know what he did? He elevated the inside of this boy called Orville White. He elevated me above the attack of the enemy. And I remember what was in the toolbox in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And even though I've got a lot of flaws and I've made a lot of mistakes, I'm a believer. In order to be a receiver, you've got to be a believer. And so this morning, I close with these words. No matter what world you're living in this morning, it's a real world. It's a real world. We can't, we can't discount the fact that we all live in, in real worlds today. But the real deal is this. Jesus wants to step into your world. And he wants to turn the light on for you. And he wants you to know that there's victory in Jesus. And 
Your faith will overcome your fear, your doubt, and unbelief if you'll just open your heart's door today and say, Jesus, walk into my world. I don't care if you've been serving the Lord 50 years or maybe you're a newcomer to the family of God. God wants to walk into our world every day, and we never get smart enough that we don't need the Lord. And spending 52 years in the ministry, I still, I've only cracked the abilities and the knowledge of what God really has for me. So I'm on the road of progress. I'm on the road with a teachable spirit. And, but I've embedded in my spirit the Word of God. In the darkest hour, it's been a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If he's done it for me, he'll do it for you too. Amen. Put your hands together this morning if you receive the word of God today. Amen. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. Look at your other neighbor and tell them, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. Now I want you to look at yourself and say, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. Amen. I mean, no, we can accomplish anything that he tells us we can accomplish. We can do anything that he tells us that we, we, that we can do. Joel Osteen, the way he starts off his services, I don't know if you ever watched Joel. Joel, he'll hold up that Bible, and he says, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. And today I will be taught the word of God, and I boldly confess some other stuff that he says <laughs> after that. But this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. A lot of people think that kind of spirit's arrogant. Well, how dare you talk like that? I want my kids to have faith and confidence in their father. It would be an embarrassment to me as their father if, if I promised them something. If I say, hey, we're going to do this, and they walk away saying, well, that will never happen. Come on, think about this. It would be an embarrassment to me. as our, And I wonder, how many times have I embarrassed my father, come on, my heavenly father, by not believing what he says in his word? Come on, think about that. Think about that. It's your Bible. You are who it says you are. You have what it says you have, and you can do what it says you can do. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And this day we will walk in it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this awesome opportunity we have to come to, to feast on your word. God, thank you for the word that was brought forward to us this morning. And God, I pray your blessing upon each and every heart, each and every life today. God, I pray that today, God, that your, 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 your presence would just saturate each and every life. God, I pray today that where, where fear has crept in, God, where fear has, has, has tried to sneak into our life, God, I pray this morning that we understand that we can come boldly into the throne room. God, that we, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we are more than conquerors, that we are overcomers this morning. And Father, our life does not have to be bound by fear, bound by worry, 
bound by any of these bricks that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. But God, we can live a life of victory. And so, Father, I proclaim that victory upon each and every heart and each and every life here today. God, go with us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. God, help us in the days that are to come. God, that when fear tries to creep in, whether it be tonight or or tomorrow, we know the enemy is waiting. We know the enemy is crouching. We know that he is lurking. We know that he's roaming like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But God, I thank you that there is not one who will be devoured in this place. Because even though he's roaring like a lion, we have a greater lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he has our back. And so, Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you for the strength. I thank you for the confidence. I thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have today. And, God, that perfect love cast out all fear. It will not overcome. And, God, we stand in that victory today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name.